We are talking Dallas Cowboys today. Is it the best defense in the NFL in Dallas? And what are those expectations for the Cowboys inside a very competitive NFC East on today's Peacock and Williamson? NFL analyst Brian Peacock and former NFL scout Matt Williamson bring you expert NFL analysis every day in less than 30 minutes. Get an inside look into the NFL on the field and in the front office. With elite breakdowns, next-level analysis, and in-depth information only for the real NFL fans. This is Peacock and Williamson, and it starts now. Welcome to the Peacock and Williamson NFL show. Brian Peacock alongside Matt Williamson, as always, at BD Peacock at Williamson NFL. Thanks, everybody, for making us your first listen here on the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Shout out to all the everydayers out there. Make sure you are one. Subscribe up on YouTube and everywhere you get your podcast. We've got an esteemed guest today talking Dallas Cowboys. That is Landon McCool at McCool BCB. You can uh, hear him every day talking Cowboys on Locked On Cowboys. Landon, how are you, man? Uh, I, we got to start out with this uh, this Cowboys defense, which was already among the best in the NFL. They addressed even more defensive needs, spent their first-round pick on a on a defender. Is this now the best defense in the NFL coming into 2023? Well, I, I certainly think they're in the conversation, and, and you know, you, you described me as your esteemed guest. I think the only esteemed thing here is the Dallas Cowboys defense at this point. I mean, they, <laughs> they look really good, and obviously this has been confirmed by my eyes, having gone out to training camp and, and seeing what, what they've been doing. Uh, yeah, I think you know, this was a really good defense last year. Uh, they didn't lose any key pieces, which I think was a huge win for them. And that's like almost the second year in a row that they have managed to have uh, kind of defensive continuity in Quinn's system, which I think is going to be a huge thing. And then to go out and get Stefan Gilmore, who really kind of uh, added a Batman or a Robin to Trayvon Diggs, Batman or Robin, however you want to call those that duo. They created a duo that uh, really kind of. Uh, it, it, it created not only a, a great pair at the top, but it also pushed some of the depth down. So it gave Dallas, you know, a, a great amount of depth at a position that's super important in defenses nowadays. So, uh, yeah, I think, you know, going into this season, the expectations are high. And, and I think top three top defense of the league, those are kind of the, the bar that's been set uh, for, for what, what this team could be this this coming season. Yeah, they, they might be my vote for best defense in the whole league right now. And, and Glenn, it's great to have you. A um, couple things on the D. I assume Parsons more or less is going to be a full-time edge rusher at this point. I love the Gilmore edition. Perfect compliment as you laid out. And when they drafted Mazzy Smith in the first round, I kind of went, eh, you know, not much production at Michigan. But when I studied this front and studied them last year, I kind of think he's exactly what they need to complete the front seven. Do you agree with all that? Yeah, I do. I mean, I think, you know, what happened at the end of the season is that teams figured out, hey, it's it's not easy to throw the football against the Cowboys. Right. So if, if, if we can get ahead of the chains in the run game, especially early in these snaps, we can put them in disadvantageous positions that, you know, it's a lot harder to rush the passer on third and three than it is on third and seven, right? And so – uh, if you can win early downs, I think the 49ers obviously figure that out better than anybody, right? That if you can win on early downs against this Dallas defense, uh, they, their pass rush can lose some of its teeth a little bit. So I think getting an opportunity to have somebody who can affect the run game early, who, who at the very least can eat up uh, blockers and, and make sure that guys like Leighton Vander Esch and Damone Clark are clean on the second level to make tackles in the run game, uh, I think that that's going to have – uh, a kind of domino effect, which uh, should, you know, really, really help the Cowboys get into 
better positions to kind of deploy their pass rushers the way they want to on third downs and really even maybe on earlier downs if they can find a way to kind of really stymie def- uh, offenses early like on first down. Real quick, you mentioned Damone Clark. Is he clearly the number two off the ball linebacker besides Van Der Esch? Yeah, I was talking about it the other day, actually. Leighton Van Der Esch has had a really great camp, and he's been noticeably the best linebacker on the team. But the, the, there is a, a little bit of air gap between Damone Clark and Jabril Cox, DeMarvion Overshone, uh, you know, some of these other guys that have come in. They like those guys a lot, and I think Overshone and Cox have each had – well, Over, Overshone's a rookie, but Cox has had his best uh, training camp without a doubt so far. Uh, but I, I think Clark has clearly established himself. He looks bigger than he was last year. Uh, he just looks more the part, I think, than Cox does right now. I, I wouldn't be surprised if we saw a lot of packages that rotated those guys in because they okay. like Cox, especially in coverage against running backs. And Overshone is kind of a – I mean, he seemingly is like a will linebacker safety hybrid, and obviously <laughs> Quinn is specializing in that nowadays. So – uh, it will be. I think a lot of these guys are going to kind of get opportunities to play in different packages and, and, and seeing these guys deployed in a whole bunch of different ways. Since you've been at Camp Landon, and by the way, if you're watching on YouTube, you can tell Matt Williamson in his tiny little dorm room in uh, Latrobe, PA, I believe, at, at Steelers Camp. It's always fun going camping this time of year. I did spend yeah. some time at, at 49ers Camp as well. Get your eyes on the new players. Get your eyes on the rookies. I want to get your camp report for the Cowboys. Uh, I've been going back to their first-round pick. It's a really interesting selection because – on one hand, I, I hate the idea of teams forcing need and they're like, okay, we need a defensive tackle. We got to get better. So let's spend our first round pick on that. And on the other hand, Mozzie Smith, I was watching his tape before the draft. I was like, this guy is a beast. He is insanely explosive at his size. And then I looked at the, cause the, I, I don't really follow college football. Matt and I talk about this a lot because mm-hmm. I'm off Saturdays. It's like my only day. It's like <laughs> exactly all day Sunday. I cannot talk and watch a football all day Saturday as well. So when it comes to college football, it's all about the draft. So I'm watching tape yeah. first and then I see the stats. It's like, yeah, like a half a career sack or something. I'm like that's in right. this day and age in the NFL, you draft a nose tackle with a half career sack in college. That's wild. And it's a little ballsy, but um, I want to hear what your thoughts are watching him in practice. And if I'm not mistaken, I think he got a little nicked up in, in Cowboys camp. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think, I think what we've seen so far is that clearly the thing that needed to be worked on immediately was his stance, you know, in, in Michigan, he was taking on blockers and kind of almost catching them at times uh, playing kind of two gaps exclusively uh, not not just just didn't have the opportunity to get upfield and be a pass rusher very often. So I think the very first thing we noticed uh, the first few days uh, that they were actually were in pads was just all the work he was getting on getting his stance correctly and then getting out of his stance correctly, because I, I think that that's really the biggest change for him. Uh, you know, he's. He's a wrecking ball. I mean, we, we, we've seen the athleticism. Yeah. I think we've all read Bruce Feldman's uh, you know, freak list, which he was the top guy last year. And the numbers in that uh, article, if you haven't seen, are, are, are too, too hard to believe. For, if I recited them now, you, you have to see them in print to understand exactly how ridiculous they are. But I, I think you know, with that kind of strength and power and ability to just completely disrupt schemes, he just needs to get his head in the crowd. He just needs to get into the gap and start, you know, destroying the run schemes and, and you know, taking on bodies as they pull, holding up uh, uh, guards and centers to make sure they can't get to the second level. And, and if he can do that alone, then he's he's given us the value that we've requested from him. Now, I, I do think what we've seen, especially these last few days of practice, and I, I'll talk about his injury in a sec, uh, is the last day that he did practice, which was uh, today's Wednesday, so it was Monday. Uh, he 
he, he started to show you something as a pass rusher. He actually had a sack on Dak in team drills and another one where he had a pressure and forced him out of the pocket. Uh, you know, the, the key thing here is that you've got two guys on the outside who are going to be pushing the outside of the pocket. Demarcus Lawrence and, and Micah Parsons are coming. So you better be ready for it. Uh, if you've got nowhere to escape up the middle now too, uh, those sack numbers I think will come in a way that, that, that they didn't in Michigan necessarily. Uh, real quick on the injury, he, he did miss practice yesterday and had an MRI. They're saying it's a uh, precautionary thing to just check on some tinnitus. Oh, no, tinnitus. <laughs> tendinitis. Uh, tinnitus, I don't think, would, would hold, hold him out of practice. Yeah, uh, but, too hard. yeah that, would be, that would be that would be kind of a weird injury designation. But I, I think, you know, right now they, they don't seem concerned about it. I, I mean, that doesn't exactly sound like something I'm, <laughs> I'm not going to be worried about, you know, but, about a rookie having a tendinitis. But uh, it, it, I don't think I think he will probably practice tomorrow, and I think it's very likely that he will play in the game. So, so I don't think it's anything that's affecting him long term right now. All right, more with Landon McCool. We're talking Dallas Cowboys. We got to flip to the offensive side of the ball. Is Mike McCarthy still the right guy to lead those Dallas Cowboys to the promised land for the first time in what thirty years? Are we are we almost there? <laughs> Yeah, we're, we're there we're there man we're there <laughs> and uh, uh dallas cowboys and, and how that nfc east is going to look here in 2023 next today's episode of peacock and williamson is brought to you by our friends at underdog fantasy august is here and you know what that means the official start of fantasy football drafting month get championship ready for your home league by trying out best ball on underdog fantasy. I've always already done a couple of best ball leagues. I'm in the middle of a slow draft. I did a fast best ball draft. You can do it with 30 seconds per pick draft right away. You can do slow drafts where, uh, you know, it's eight hours between draft picks. And the great thing about best ball is it's super easy. You set your line, you, you do a live snake draft. There's no waivers, no trades. Underdog sets your best lineup every week. So whatever your max points would have been from your lineup over the course of the year, you get it all year long. So try out Underdog's Best Ball Mania Tournament right now. The largest fantasy football contest of all time is back and even bigger. $15 million of total prizes up for grabs, including an absurd $3 million going to the winner. So don't wait. Check out Underdog Fantasy. Visit underdogfantasy.com or find them in the App Store and sign up with promo code Locked On to get your first deposit doubled up to $100. That's Underdog Fantasy, promo code Locked On. All right, we're back here with Landon McCool of Locked On Cowboys. And of course, the offensive side of the ball is, is pretty important for the Dallas Cowboys this year. And, you know, things have changed amongst the coaching staff there. Mike McCarthy's still the guy. Matt and I talked about Mike McCarthy last year as like, oh man, I think the Cowboys might be angling for Sean Payton and this could be it unless they have a really good season. And they had a good season. They went to the playoffs, didn't get out of the playoffs as champions, but th this team's built to win right now. So where is Mike McCarthy at? Is he the right man to lead this team? Man, it's, it's crazy. Cause he, he, he certainly, those questions are swirling and, and, and it, it certainly feels somewhat unfair to Mike in the sense that he's won 24 games the last two seasons. And the fact is that he's still on the hot seat. And uh, I think part of it is that, Quinn has clearly done an amazing job as a defense. And so lots of Cowboys fans are just chomping at the bit to make sure that we don't lose Quinn uh, to a head coach at some point, one of these seasons, two years in a row, the Cowboys were able to retain him as defensive coordinator when uh, after the job he's done, which is pretty impressive. I don't know if they'll get an opportunity for a third one. So we'll see how that all plays out. I think that's kind of pu pushing some of the pressure there. 
Um, and then obviously, you know, not, you know, kind of taking that next step, you know, winning 12 games and then not, you know, being able to get past the second round of the playoffs. Uh, that's obviously a big part of this as well. Uh, but I, I do think that Mike has overall done a really good job of head coaching. And I think the question is going to be, what does this offense look like now that he's fully you know, calling the shots on here? And uh, he's brought in Marty. Uh, he's brought in. I almost called him Marty Schottenheimer. He's brought in Brian Schottenheimer and, and, and to come in and, and help call the plays a little bit. But I, but it feels like just based on what we've seen that Brian is basically an, an organizing principle. You know, he's, he's basically running the practices day to day. This is Mike's offense to a large degree. We've already started to see the slant flats. We've already started, you know, lots of drag and lots of mesh rail and all, all the stuff that you, you would expect from like a, a West Coast offense. Um, so it's 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 started to make its way into the offense. Um, but I think that they've been smart about it by, you know, basically just taking the language that Dak already knows from, you know, the kind of previous Coriel systems that he comes from. And then just basically calling a West Coast game with Coriel language so that Dak understands the language and, and they're still using him. They're not having to change everything and go through the translation process, the Rosetta Stone of, oh, you call this this, so we call this this. So it's all that part's all remaining the same. So Dak still has good command over the, the offense. I think the difference will be who's actually calling the plays, how they're being called. And then little things too, like we've real emphasis on marrying the quarterback's feet with the wide receiver's feet in route. That's been a big emphasis for the, the Cowboys this offseason. I think part of that is because of the interception situation last year. There were times when it felt like there was confusion in option routes, which another thing that they've said that they're going to really greatly reduce. So there's not like a situation where the wide receiver and the quarterback see something different in the defense. It, it's a lot more about the quarterback's feet being in sync with the wide receiver's feet. Hey, on my fifth foot, I put my a fifth drop a step. I put my foot on the ground and I throw the ball. Wide receiver takes three strides and then cuts inside. Like it's, it's all a lot more precise than it had been previously with Kellen Moore, where it seemed like, they wanted you to get a relationship with the wide receiver to know when they're going to be making these breaks. So hopefully that will kind of, you know, get, add a little bit level of precision, uh, some more yards after the catch uh, opportunity for these guys. And then the, the real big thing I think that isn't really related necessarily to Mike McCarthy, but I think is going to be huge for everybody involved is that the wide receiver room is just completely different it's it's night and day different i mean we we talked about stefan gilmore and, and what that did to the cornerback room but i honestly think the addition of brandon cooks will have a bigger impact simply because of all the other guys that are kind of coming to a head at the same time brandon cooks kicks michael gallup down to the third and gallup now fully off of his acl injury is looking different jalen tolbert was a guy who was completely for, a forgotten thought of, of on the cowboys last year he has fully been realized, has grabbed hold of that fourth wide receiver position, has looked fantastic out here. Every single day is making a big play uh, and is not kind of letting it up. And then even a guy like Cavante Turpin, who, I mean, honestly, even though he was a pro bowler as a punt returner, a kick returner last year, I wasn't certain that he would make the team this year just because of how much they've reduced those roles. But he's come out here and become a huge part of the offense. They're clearly running plays to specifically get him the ball. He's running routes down the field like a true wide receiver. Uh, so it, all the angles have changed in a lot of ways, despite the fact that you have the same quarterback and the same head coach uh, in the passing game. Uh, and it's really going to be interesting to see how it all unfolds against another team because all we've we've gotten to see is them perform against our own defense, which, you know, it's, it's pretty tough to throw the football on sometimes. Sure. Leon, that's great stuff, especially the – 
the footwork stuff, marrying the wide receiver and quarterback's feet. I'm sure BP's thinking Bill Walsh, you know, like crazy. Yep. Over there. Oh, yeah. I'm sure of it. But <laughs> I'm not sure if you're familiar with Mike Sando's quarterback tiers. But I yes. mean, yeah. to me, Dak is like the definition of a tier two quarterback. And to me, that's a compliment. By no means am I you know, downgrading him at all. And I think he's maybe the most underrated quarterback in the league from a mental standpoint and mm-hmm. processing defenses and understanding what they're trying to do. But he did turn the ball over too much yeah. last year. I mean, is that a concern for you? It really isn't for me. You know, I, I think if you look at his career overall, I mean, he's, yeah. he's not been someone who's thrown a ton of interceptions. In fact, I think before last season, he was near the top at uh, interception uh, rates. Uh, in a career. So I I do think that it's not coincidence that the Cowboys wide receiver core, especially near the end of the season was not up to snuff and that the interceptions, you know, were rising as that happened. Uh, I I think that if, you know, going back, I mean, I'm not sure if you you all have, but obviously I have gone back and watched every single one of Dak's interceptions last year. And, you know, and an an abnormally high number of them were deflected passes where it looked like the wide receiver was, uh, playing volleyball and just setting a, a spiker next to them or something, you know, and just lobbing the ball up in the air for a defensive back. So there, obviously you, you hope to get a reduction in some of those. Uh, but then I guess the other thing too is, is I think just having a better wide receiver core, a, a more talented wide receiver core that can gain more separation means that Dak doesn't have to throw into as many tight windows. I mean, I think you looked at last year, his numbers, he had an abnormally large number of, of tight window throws. And, and I think having guys who can separate, having a, 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 a system that can get guys open, even if it's just a step more than he's used to, uh, is going to present more opportunities for Dak to throw the football uh, you know, away from defenders and not necessarily into tight coverage where, you know, things, things just happen when the ball gets get thrown into tight windows, even if it's a, a, a perfect throw. Landon, talk to me about Tony Pollard, where we drafted him in our fantasy leagues. And, and they need to find a backup or not. I, you know, I, I it's going to be more of a committee, I think, this year than it was. I mean, last year it was it was a duo, right? It was it was Zeke and and, and they and Pollard when they you know, were done kind of wearing out Zeke, uh, and I think you know that that kind of over the years has transitioned more to hey, it's the Pollard show and let's let Zeke you know take the the grunt carries so that he can t- take all the extra hits on his body. I think likely what's happened is that they have two guys behind them that they they like in that Malik Davis and Rico uh, Dowdle both of which who I think are, are really vying for the spot well and, and to the point where I wouldn't be shocked, and, and actually Marcus Moser and I were talking about this on the show this morning, I wouldn't be shocked if they decided to either keep both of those running backs or keep one of them and then try to stash the other one on the practice squad and then call him up regularly to play because I, I think that they will want both of these uh, running backs to get opportunities to carry the ball because they don't want to overtouch Pollard. They don't want to – I mean, I, I think that they will – you know, they understand they have him for one more year. They have him on, on the franchise tag. They're not necessarily, you know, trying to preserve his body long term. But I also think that they understand and have understood that uh, there is diminishing returns the more touches you put on Pollard during the season. So to keep him fresh, they're going to want to give a lot of carries to these guys, Malik Davis, Dowdle. I think Hunter Lepke, who's a guy that they drafted as a fullback running back who could potentially get some carries as well. Uh, and then Ronald Jones, who uh, – it's on the team. He's suspended for the first two games. I honestly don't know if he's actually going to factor onto the team or not. He hasn't looked particularly good, but he is a name that's in the running back room, so he may get some carries at some point as well. Last thing I have for you is, you are, are you losing sleep over Zach Martin? Not yet. Not not, okay. not. I think I think not until when we get back to Dallas 
uh, they, they have another, like, I think, week of practice here. Uh, if they get back to Dallas and we've been there for a week and we still haven't heard anything, then maybe I will. Um, but as of right now, I, I think it seems imminently solvable and, and really that it could be solvable in a way that's pain, not so painful for either side. Uh, but it just hasn't happened yet. I, I will say that I am surprised at how dug in both sides are uh, more than I, than I yeah. imagined. Uh, but I do think that there still is plenty of time. I, th- I don't think Zach Martin wants to miss any regular games, uh, regular season games. So uh, I, am I, am I uh, upset now? Am I scared now? Not yet. Uh, but talk to me maybe a week or two after they've been <laughs> back in Dallas. Real quick on the way out the door, we got to let you go Landon, but. Who wins the NFC East in 2023? I mean, I have a bias here. I'm not going to lie. I, you know, look, it's going to be, it's the Eagles or the Cowboys. I think, Uh, I think the giants are, are going to be a good team this year. They surprised a lot of folks last year. All of us in the NFC East are facing a much more difficult schedule this season than we faced last year. Uh, But I do think that the, the, the giants just have such great coaching and and they're very well organized and it feels like they're kind of coming, getting it together a little bit. Uh, But I think it's, it's a two man race between the Eagles and the Cowboys. And if you remember last year, we we never actually got a chance to face each other with each other's quarterbacks healthy. We, we played Jalen hurts when we had Cooper rush and then they played uh, uh, us when they had their backup quarterback as well. So uh, it's going to be exciting to finally get a chance to see these two teams play each other. Um, I'm obviously going to pick the Cowboys. I think, I, I think that the Eagles may take a step back. I mean, just simply because of, uh, some losses on the defensive line, the, the coordinator stuff that, that, that obviously will take a little bit of a toll on them. Um, and, and I, I honestly think the Cowboys are as good a team as the Eagles. So it'll be interesting to see for sure. And I'm, I'm certainly excited to see those two teams play. Fantastic stuff. Uh, obviously, that division is going to be a really fun one to follow in 2023. And if you want to follow along, make sure you are subscribed to Locked On Cowboys. Marcus and Landon doing it every day on the Locked On Podcast Network. Landon, appreciate the insight, man. Thank you so much. Thanks so much for having me, guys. All right, next, Matt and I are going to give our opinions on the NFC East, where we think the Cowboys are going to land and, and how this NFC East is going to come together in 2023 next. Thank you once again, everybody, for making Peacock and Williamson your first listen every day here on the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Subscribe on YouTube and everywhere you get your podcasts. All right, Matt, what do you think? Dallas Cowboys. I love uh, I love the insight we got from Landon McCool there of Locked On Cowboys. And I kind of went back and forth, and, and it happens. There's some bias here. You know, every time uh, I hear from one of the hosts, I like their team a little bit more. And while you were on sure. vacation, I talked with David of Locked On Commanders, and I talked with Patricia of Locked On Giants. And it's like, yeah, you know what? I can see this team taking a step. And it really what it did is just make me realize how good this division is. It's clearly the best division in the NFC right now. I don't know, though, if the Giants or Commanders, even in the best-case scenario, have enough to to knock off the Cowboys or the Eagles on paper. But I think the Eagles with some turnover, even if they hit their stride midseason, you know, new coordinators on both sides of the ball, did they leave that window open uh, for a team that went to the Super Bowl for a team like the Cowboys or maybe one of the other squads in the NFC East to take them over this year? Yeah, I agree with everything you said. I think it is the best division in the NFC. I think it has two of the three true contenders along with your Niners. I, I, don't, I think those are the, the Super Bowl type teams, you know, in that side, in that conference. I agree with you that 
you can make some arguments for the Giants and Commanders, and I think that they both have wild card shots. You know, especially in that conference, could end up with a winning record, maybe even ten wins. There are some encouraging things for both those teams, but I, you probably haven't seen this. I just saw it this morning, to be honest with you. Football Outsiders, it's no longer Football Outsiders, Aaron Schatz. He, he put out his guide that used to be the Football Outsiders guide. It's the exact same thing. And by their projections, they you know they simulate a million games or whatever. They have the Cowboys with the best record in the entire league. I mean, that is they have the best win simulation of any team out there. And I can understand why. I mean, it's hard to find weaknesses. They're both on both lines of scrimmage. I mentioned I think they might have the best defense in the league. I mean, really, every year they're at the top of the league in yards per play on offense. I'm a big DAC believer. I think Philly's slightly better, but it's going to be fun. I I, I found myself uh, really not liking what I heard about Tony Pollard as far as the fantasy football aspect goes. (laughs) I don't like hearing that the guy that everyone's hyped on is like, oh, man, he's better than Zeke, and he's going to be the lead guy. He's coming off of injury, and it's like – the the dirty word in fantasy football, which we're seeing so much more around the league, is committee. And he's not the biggest back. He's coming off an injury. Like His ADP is a little bit too high for that whole concoction. So you and I are absolutely victims to this as well. When you're super close to a team, you get excited about bottom of the roster guys and undrafted free agents. And he spit off three or four running backs not named Tony Pollard that I don't know a whole heck of a lot about. And I sit there going, boy, he uh, they should not compete with Pollard whatsoever. But if they truly look at Pollard as he's not a workhorse, I mean, he has to be super efficient in fantasy, which he might be. I mean, big plays, receptions, high, you know, high uh, leverage situations. But I still think there's – could Fournette end up there or Zeke come back or somebody like that? I, I mean, aside from, you know, hearing names like Rico Dowdle and like, oh, man, is he really going to is he going to be someone right. who's rosterable in leagues and, and looking at their whole running back group as easy as it is to find really good running backs in the NFL these days. Uh, that That's not a great group behind uh, as far as name value behind. No, but behind Tony Pollard, although we know how quickly that can change in the NFL and undrafted guys all of a sudden a, a thousand yard back, you know, mm-hmm. so that's not to say these guys aren't good players, but um Deuce Vaughn, I saw some training camp clips, and Deuce Vaughn is, you know, he's his his father's on the uh, on the scouting staff, right? And uh, it was a really good story that he got drafted. But man, and he's five foot five or whatever. And I, I I saw a clip just on my Twitter timeline. It was just a video of of Cowboys camp, and it showed a a little guy. the 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 caption was David and Goliath. It showed a little guy trying to block a big guy, and I was like, oh man, I, I thought it was like Pee Wee football. It was like, oh, this is a big kid against a little kid. And I was like, oh, that's Dallas Cowboys training camp footage. And he looked so small out there trying to trying to step up and support the run. So that that's, you know, for a guy that small, that might be a, a difficult ask in the NFL when you see that clip. Like, oh, my gosh, okay, he's, he's really small. And when you get in the NFL, you're going to look even smaller and slower than you did in the college game. And I think a lot of uh, – a lot of us are, you know, it catches a lot of us off guard. When you, when you see a, a rookie who was like, I see it a lot with wide receivers. Like, oh, this is a big receiver, got a ton of speed, makes plays down the field. And the guy's, you know, 6'1", 200. And then you see, you see him on the NFL field. It's like, well, that guy looks pretty darn average size now. You know, like so much with that transition to the NFL. So um, all that is to say, I don't know what's going on behind 
Tony Pollard. He's clearly the best back they have, but uh, I don't like hearing the word committee when it comes to how high you have to draft Tony Pollard in a fantasy league. 100% agree. I mean, from an NFL perspective, if your big concerns are number two running back, well, that's wonderful. You know, yeah. you can you can get somebody, or you know, you'll, somebody will emerge. The one conversation we just touched on, but I wanted to talk a little bit more with him about were the pass catchers. There is some uncertainty at tight end. I think Schoonmaker finally is practicing as a rookie, but we know rookie tight ends don't come in right away. He mentioned the depth in the receiver room. I think the Brandon Cooks pickup is going to pay off huge. And I've always been a Gallup believer. I don't think C.D. Lamb is a, you know, we talked about tiers and quarterbacks. I think he's like the best tier two receiver out there. You know what I mean? He's not quite Tyreek or Devontae. Right. Yeah. But he could perform like one in that in that circumstance. He can be a target hog, move around, get those matchups in the slot. He's really good in the short area, but you know maybe he's not the type of guy that's going to you know take the top off of a defense, even though he can make plays on the football. Good, not CD Lamb is actually one of those. Remember him coming out in the draft? It's like, oh, dude, six three, run after the catch, all this stuff right, right. in the NFL. Right? He's pretty medium sized and medium speed, you know. Um, but I, I, I agree. Adding Brandon Cooks just sort of stabilizes that receiving room because you know you have a veteran that you can count on and, and we'll see what happens with Gallup and you know being another year removed from that injury and then you got the rookie from last year and we know wide receivers take a big jump in year two and and so now all of a sudden you could have a really good group but if that doesn't happen with the development for Tolbert or Gallup's never going to be the same guy you do have stability there with a with a number two receiver in Brandon Cook so I totally agree there and it really stabilizes the whole thing but it all comes down to McCarthy. And I kind of like this for Mike McCarthy. He's like, well, look, if I'm going to win a bunch of games and take my team to the playoffs and still be on the hot seat, I'm going to call my own stinking plays then. So let's get Might this well. coordinator. And like betting on himself a little bit is Mike McCarthy with all this. And, and I kind of like that for him. So it's, if he's going to sink and he's going to get fired, um, then it's on his terms with his offense. Yeah, that's, that's well said. Um, I guess the last little nugget I have is just, I, the Cooks edition really reminds me of the Gilmore's edition, a Gilmore edition. Yeah. You know, just give me a veteran opposite a star, you know, or borderline star that is stable, that's been around the block, has played with a lot of teams, hardly gave anything up to, for them except for, you know, salary cap space. You got them on the cheap. They're here to win, you know, especially Cooks coming from a, a team that hasn't won very much, obviously. This has to be a much more fun environment than Houston, obviously. Do you think there is, like, how much of a chance do you think the Commanders or the Giants have to go surpass either the Cowboys or the Eagles or maybe both? Mm. Less than 33% that either okay. one of those teams wins a division. Probably 20%. 20%. Okay, so it'd have yeah. to be pretty good odds for you to put some money on the Giants going and, and winning the East still? Yeah, I I think they're going the right direction. I think Washington's going the right direction. I just think they're overmatched. I mean, it's kind of a big brother, little, bro little brother division. Yeah, even if you like a lot of what's going on on the roster, there's still stacked rosters in Dallas and in Philly, and they've got the better right. quarterbacks. So it just, Right, the best quarterbacks. The tradition so of winning. I mean, he yeah. mentioned McCarthy won, what, 24 games in the last two years. Philly just was dominant. And we're not talking about – Backup running back is your biggest hole in the Giants or the Commanders roster. Right. Yeah, exactly. That's well put. That's a perfect way to put it there. Okay. So, but it's still going to be a good division and I think competitive. So, uh, a lot oh, of fun yeah. there. And we'll see what it looks like for, for Dak this year. If you can cut down on those interceptions, that will be 
huge. And I do expect the Dallas Cowboys to be a playoff football team. All right. Thanks everybody for making Peacock and Williamson your first listen. Thanks again to Landon McCool for joining us today to break down those Dallas Cowboys and preview the 2023 season. Matt and I back tomorrow with our weekly mailbag at BD Peacock on Twitter at Williamson NFL. Get those questions into us there. Tag us or just drop a comment on YouTube and make sure you are subscribed. Hit the notifications so you know when a new episode is live and you can find us everywhere you find your podcasts. Matt and I back tomorrow. Peacock and Williamson.